1: Welcome to... Well, hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we continue our countdown of our top 10 Division I women's college tennis teams entering the 2023 season. And folks, we've officially reached the halfway mark in our preview series. If you've missed any of our breakdowns of teams 6 through 10 in our Crack Rackets preseason rankings, all you got to do, scroll down on your Great Shot Podcast Feed. you'll find our first five previews for the women's teams first five previews for the men's teams all on that great shot podcast feed of course we've hit the halfway mark that means things only going to get more interesting from here who are our top five teams entering the 2023 college tennis season that's the question we're going to answer over the course of the next two and a half weeks and If we're going to try and tackle an exercise so monumental, you know I'm going to have some help on these podcasts along the way to do just that. And in fact, joining me once again, here on today's show for another top 10 women's tennis preview is the returning champion of returning champions here on our Crack Rackets podcast. Someone you know best as the founder of the No Ad No Problem blog and podcast, of course, co-host of our weekly episodes of The Deciding Point, which break down all the action that happens throughout the course of a college tennis season. It is our dear friend, John J. Parsons joining us once again. Jay, Hey. Great shot. Welcome back. We've got a doozy on our hands today in number five, Oklahoma, don't we? There
2: is a lot to talk about with this one. This is one that we've been looking forward to, right, for for quite some time. There's a lot to unpack here, both with the look back on 2022 and the look forward, right, now that this team has firmly cemented themselves in these top 10 rankings.
1: No doubt about that. Certainly both you and I had, it felt like a front row seat to all of the success we saw from the Oklahoma Sooners last year. And let's just get this out of the way in the first three minutes of the show. West off, give me the victory lap sound effect. Give me the round of applause as there is not a single prediction that was more accurate throughout the course of our 2022 podcast than at the start of the year when John J. Parsons said his sleeper team of sleeper teams resting outside the top 10 of our 2022 preseason rankings was indeed the Oklahoma Sooners. And look, we're going to get into what they did in 2022. Did they exceed expectations, underperform, get things just right? We'll get into all the fun funk we do typically here on these shows momentarily. But, Jay, I think everyone wants to know the nexus of a good prediction. How does Oklahoma become the sleeper team in your eye? Talk me through that process one year later, because I imagine you're still kind of riding off those coattails, right?
2: I'm certainly trying to. It has <laughs> to make up for some of my other horrible predictions. You know, it's funny. It starts with Peyton Stearns. Okay. And it was January of 2021. Peyton Stearns was a freshman and Texas was playing Oklahoma in Norman, and I wanted to see the freshman class of Texas compete, including Peyton Stearns, including the other freshmen, Shavathapon Collins. So I turned on that live stream, and that match was extremely close. It was a 4-3 match. Texas won, came down to Peyton Stearns and Carmen Corley at number one. And I was super impressed by Oklahoma's fight, their grit, and I just kind of, you know, had that in the back of my mind kind of throughout the course of 2021. Certainly we know what Texas went on to do in winning the NCAA championship that year. And in reflecting on, you know, who could be in our top 10 last season, I remember thinking, okay, we have both the Corleys coming back. You know, we also have uh Guzman coming back. That was really their top three at the time. You had Pisa Reva who was, not eligible in 2021, becoming eligible. You had Emma Staker coming in, a blue chip recruit as a freshman. And then you also had Lane Sleek, who was transferring from Florida, who had had a very good summer uh, after transferring from Florida to Oklahoma. So I was thinking, wow, this team has all the components of a sleeper team. And then they announced Shanta coming in in January. And I think that's when I fired off my is this the year Oklahoma beats Texas for the first time since like 1980 something? Uh, And it was, it was that time. And that came actually quite early in the season at indoors. So that's the origin story. We could go way back and talk about, you know, watching Audra Cohen at Stanford competing for Miami, but that's, that's far um, far before (laughs)
1: this podcast. So yeah, it really starts, Uh, early last season. I'll go before that. Audra Cohen going back to her St. Thomas Aquinas days. Shout out Josh Molino, my former high school tennis coach who happened to go to high school with Audra Cohen. I mean, yeah, look, you did a great job of listing out the case for that. And by the way, for listeners who are curious, who might the next Oklahoma be not just on the women's side, but on the men's side as well. Now, we may get into that towards the end of our preview podcast. But if you're ready for that conversation right now, I got a show for you. It's called the No Ad No Problem podcast. This is a topic Jay and Ethan, his co-host covered extensively. What was that, a month ago? Something like that at this yeah, point. Few weeks and, back. Yeah, I think that podcast still holds up now. So again, everyone has their list of teams who they think the sleepers might be. You can go hear Jay's, Ethan's uh, on that show. We'll get into our sleepers as we get closer to the start of the year. And I try to hold off on the sleepers until I know what the December surprises are, right? Because once the, the calendar hits January, we like to think those rosters are still uh, those rosters are now intact, I should say. But I'm not quite ready for the sleeper conversation yet, Jay. I hope you'll indulge me with that.
2: I will. I think that's fair, right? I mean, I mentioned the Shanta. I think she was a January announcement. Mm -hmm. Um, So you certainly can have those that can really change
1: the trajectory of a team season. The only one I'm pretty certain on is NC State. I'm just going to throw that out there now on the men's side. On the women's side, they're not a sleeper. (laughs) Spoiler alert, we haven't talked about them yet. We will in the course of our top five preview, but the NC state men, what they did last year, playing a lot of close matches against everyone. Now that you just bring this up, that's my Oklahoma equivalent off the top of my head. And by the way, I'm not the only one who feels that way. Go check out the no ad, no problem podcast to hear more, but our focus today is going to, of course, be on these Oklahoma Sooners. And look, we try to start all of these preview podcasts by recapping what these teams accomplished the prior season. And 2022 is just an unequivocal win for all aspects of this Oklahoma Sooners women's tennis program. You look at the record even superficially 32 and 3. We can stop right there. 32 and 3. I don't care what conference you're in. I don't care where you're playing, what you're doing. If you go 32 and 3, some things broke right for you throughout the course of the season. Of course, they also go 9 and 0 in-conference play, 17-0 and at home during the regular season, 8-0 and away during the regular season. The only time they lost matches were in the major tournaments. And of course, the only time they lost those matches were in the finals of all those conference tournaments. You look back for this Oklahoma team, what a run at the national indoors. They spanked the University of Texas 4-1 in the quarterfinals. That wasn't just a win. Again, we happened to be on the call for that match. I don't know how else to describe it. That was a beat down a boomer sooner. They then get an exceptional 4-2 win over Pepperdine, who, again, that win 4-2 sounds like it was more comfortable than it might have actually been, having been at that match calling it. There were many moments where it looked like things were finally starting to drift Pepperdine's way, but no, Oklahoma comes out, Assertive 4-2 performance. Now, from that, they drop a match to UNC 4-2, a match that honestly was probably their easiest match of the tournament through the first hour of play. Oklahoma, exceptional during the doubles point in that match, win that doubles point, come out hot in singles as well, only for the Tar Heels to do what they do so well at the National Indoors, always find their form. But look, from that moment, The Sooners don't lose again until the Big 12 tournament. They go undefeated in Big 12 play, beat Texas yet again in the regular season, 4-3 at home in Norman. Of course, they get that spectacular 4-3 win over Oklahoma State, 4-2 win over Pepperdine in that final weekend of the season sequence. And then, you know, again, into the Big 12 championship without dropping a point before they suffer that 4-2 loss to the University of Texas. And, you know, after that, draw comes out. They're the number two seed at the NCAA tournament. Well, they might have been the number two seed, but again, that NCAA tournament run sort of epitomized everything Oklahoma was about Throughout the course of the 2022 season, 4-3 win over Arizona State in the round of 32, 4-1 win over Stanford. That is far, looks far more like a blowout on paper than it was in reality. 4-3 over Texas A&M in the quarters, 4-3 over Duke in the semis before the Sooners ultimately run out of steam. And look, no disrespect to Coach Cohen, to any of the coaching staff at Oklahoma, any of the players, Texas was the better team in that final. And ultimately, Texas, that 4-1 victory to secure the back-to-back championship. That said, national indoor finalists, Big 12 Conference regular season champs, Big 12 tournament finalists, NCAA finalists. We can get into their record in four, three matches throughout the course of the year as well. But, Jay, 32-3 and three overall, even though you had them, as your sleeper, there's only one way to start this podcast. And that's by saying no team exceeded expectations more in 2022 than the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, Yeah. There's no other way to say it, right? They exceeded the exceeded
2: expectations. (laughs) I mean, it was just above and beyond what really could have been uh, anticipated at least for anyone outside of, of that locker room. I mean, this was a team who, you know, look back at, at, at their rankings. It was 51 in 2018, 32 in 2019, 49 in 2020. They creep into the top 25 in 2021. They lose in the first round of the NCAAs that year. And they go on.
1: Did they to lose the to USC
2: two. though in that they match? Did, yeah, that did. was the weird one, right? Yeah, that was yeah. a tough, um, that was the Florida regional, I think. Yeah, that was the super yeah, funky was, one. Yeah, it was, that was a tough one. But, you know, nonetheless, still lost in the yeah. first round and go on and, and make the finals. I mean, you know, there's really no comparison or or comparable for what they did last season. At best, you maybe look to the Oklahoma State team, you know, in 2016 and their run in Tulsa. But that was an Oklahoma State team that had made the Sweet 16 the year before. They finished top 12. I mean, I certainly haven't seen a run like this in, you know, in, in my
1: following of women's college tennis. They were everything, dare I say, that we thought the Pepperines of the world, the North Carolinas of the world, the teams with all these experienced pieces coming back. They were everything we thought those teams were going to be. And again, I I think I have the numbers right. I'll double check it in a second. They went 6-0 in 4-3 matches, and they weren't insignificant 4-3 matches. They were, I'll tell you what, if Oklahoma would have lost to Arizona State, in the round of 32, with all due respect to everything they accomplished earlier in the regular season, boy, would that have been a balloon popping moment for this Sooners program. But credit to Oklahoma again in every situation. And, you know, in the case of that match, it was I'm um, trying to remember who comes through it, because, again, that was their first match without Chanta. Right. And that we were curious, how was that going to impact that big match? Yeah. First significant match yeah. of the NCAA tournament, I should say, without her. And look, they dropped the doubles point and to see this team come back and, you know, again, get four straight set victories, sweep the top three. It was Sleeth and the Corleys, which all due respect, Lane Sleeth was a rock at the top of the lineup last season. But by the end, it had been four, five, six, really doing the heavy lifting for this Oklahoma team. Their depth just kind of separating them from the average college tennis team, dare I say, last season. And then when they needed it in the biggest moment, it was the veterans. It was the Corleys. It was Sleeth coming through in the clutch in that round of 32 match. Similarly, Emma Staker, steal your heart, taker. Like you just know she was going to come through time after time after time. Yeah, what, uh, Shania Twain, shout out, by the way. Um, you know, again, I'll talk about this match till the day I die. I swear to God, Texas A&M wins the NCAA tournament last year if they're able to get past Oklahoma, but they weren't able to get past Oklahoma. And again, just across the board, whether it was the focus we saw from Corley at two singles, because she was down comfortably to, uh, to Macarova, but the focus it takes, even though Macarova is injured to get through that match in three sets, Emma Staker steals your heart. Take her, you know, again, she loses that first set to Morales and slowly, but surely works her way back. And, Boy, was that third set something you and I are never going to forget, Jay, between those two. Arguably the best set we saw throughout the course of the two weeks in Champaign. And then they do it the next night against Duke. And it's just miraculous. And again, did the bubble burst a little bit in that NCAA final? Yeah, it did. I would also say that Texas team talk about peaking at the right moment. They clicked on all cylinders in that NCAA final But what was so encouraging about this team, Jay, was it just felt like at any moment throughout the course of 2022, when you needed someone to step up, whether it was Sleeth, whether it was one of the Corleys, Pisa Reva, Staker, whoever they needed at a given moment, that player was able to step up. And as good as the parts to this team were, when we look back at 2022, I do think it's fair to say the sum of the team exceeded the sum of the parts, right? And that's where... All the credit in the world has to go. Audra Cohen, Jose Gracia, you know, uh, Cobra, the entire coaching staff. I mean, there's a reason we keep saying Audra Cohen's going to be the next UCLA coach, the next Georgia coach, the next Stanford coach. What they're doing with this program, the bouncing, the jumping, the steps, the togetherness, it just epitomizes everything college tennis should be.
2: Yeah, I always think about, you know, your you're quote quoting someone else. So like the team that loves each other the most uh, makes it to, Shout the out end. to Brian
1: Boland. That's the oh. one who's there. Yeah, that's who okay, said it. it. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. I
2: mean, there's just a charisma to this team that you don't see, uh, on other teams. It's the happy feet. Like you mentioned, uh, you know, it does maybe it doesn't make sense on paper when we're trying to do the line by line calculus, but they find ways the match that comes to my mind was that round of 16 match against Stanford. When I was going through this, I'm going, man, they lose Shanta. Ivana Corley's at three. Angelica Blake is playing lights out and it's a total role reversal, right? Ivana Corley comes out and does what she needs to do after not being as prevalent in the lineup since she was lights out at indoors. So I think you're right. Wherever they needed to find wins, particularly at doubles, they were going to find a pathway to three And, you know, they really needed to come together after losing their best point in Shanta, right, who had moved all the way up to number two, you know, had only lost two matches on the year. Both of those came at indoors and they really rallied together in that NCAA tournament to to your point, say, hey, this season is not for nothing. And we can do this, you know, without one of our best
1: players. Yeah. And. One other thing I would add, by the way, shout out to Philip Zupanchich, the other graduate assistant who is always there making noise, getting nuts. Like, again... By the way, since I know we did this, I think on the last podcast, I think this was with you and not with Chris, a lot of Judaism talk of late shout out to the Jews. Yeah. I mean, if if we're going to be under attack, yes, as we talked we, about the
2: Maccabee games. Yeah,
1: it's exactly as we're going to be shout out Blokina as we're going to be under attack right now. Just going to give a, a shout out to my fellow members of the tribe. Obviously Audra, one of them, she will always have a place near and dear in my heart, but there is nothing I enjoyed more about the 2022 college tennis season. And, Again, if people are going to accuse me of bias towards this Oklahoma team moving forward, I would highly recommend listen to the duration of this show. Maybe you'll think otherwise. But the thing that brought me more joy than any other instance, any other thing I saw throughout the course of the 2022 college tennis season is the look on Coach Cohen's face when there are times when she just wants to say, look, give me that f-ing racket. I'm going to go <laughs> win this match for our team. My energy is going to translate to all the – because – All the, the, you know, translate down to every other member of this team. It's just she's just a winner, Jay. Like, I don't know how else to say it. You know it when you see it. And what Coach Cohen has done with this program, they all believe in every moment. That's the word I keep coming back to is that belief. This Oklahoma team never thought they were out of any match that they played, even down the home stretch of that Texas match. They were going to go down fighting no matter what ended up happening. I mean, it was just a pleasure to be able to cover that 2022 Oklahoma team. And there'll be one that sticks. I'm sure with both of us for however long we manage to end up doing this podcast, usually my podcast hosts have like a three-year shelf life, just a warning, Jay. That's if that's <laughs> okay. about, you no, know, no. that's usually when they start to get sick of me, I'll keep you, mm. you know, again, Chris hasn't gotten sick of me. So I keep going back to that. Well, but as we saw, Maddie was like, "Yeah, five mm. years is enough, Alex. <laughs> and So uh, anyways, with all of that said, you know, some of, Some listeners may be looking at this podcast and saying, wait, you have Oklahoma number five. How can you have Oklahoma number five when this is a team that went 32 and three, a team that made the national indoor final, the NCAA final. And Jay, this team brings back pretty much everyone from that 2022 roster. This is a really good team of returners coming back here this season. Well, they bring
2: back all six singles players from their NCAA finalist run. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's not much more. Yeah, there's (laughs) enough said, right? Uh, You know, of course, there are other teams who are making jumps, right? And, you know, staying staying at that might not, you know, keep you at number two, might not be enough. Exactly. Certainly in this era when there's just so much talent across the board, that's probably what the number five is attributed to, right? Just given some of the, the movement we've seen with these other teams the the talent that they're bringing in. And at some point this, you know, as we talked about, like on paper, it might never look like the number one team in the country. Right. And it is about the the whole being greater than the sum of the parts. So um, yeah, but they still return everyone. And that experience alone will take them a very, very far away in this upcoming season
1: can't fake belief you can't fake getting the big match experience and again in 2022 every part of this roster had an opportunity to gain some of those things now as we look at the returners jay i'm curious i open up to you first what is the position you feel or positions give me a power rankings just start with your top two who are we'll go one by one who do you feel most confident about players or position both because i think it's it's kind of both right if i, I guess the player by position because I'm, we're talking rankings here ultimately even though lane sleeth might be better than emma staker staker went 22 and 4 at the number 6 spot the idea of having her at number 6 once again as a sophomore apologies a lot of f bombs here early it's nuts like for me, that's where I start number one is that idea that they can have staker there at six again after a year she went twenty-two and four at the sixth spot. And it I know she got a lot of third set wins, but it didn't feel that flukish, Jay. Like it feels very replicable. Yeah, but
2: Sleeth went twenty-one and four at the number one position. Yeah. Here's my thing. Three it's, of those losses being to Peyton Stearns.
1: That's it's a good point. It's again, right? this is so, open it up. Sleeth was number two on my list. So make these, that's why I said top two at first, because I feel pretty good about the edges of their lineup. Like if it's Sleeth at one again, Staker at six, however we fill out in between by May, I like the rubric.
2: Yeah. And those are both like gauntlet of matches that you would need to win at one and six. Like both of those players are going to go
1: to war. <laughs> to, yeah. It means to win if, if you beat Oklahoma, it's taking you four hours. Like, let's just be clear.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And you saw that. I mean, with the Lane Sleeth match comes to mind is that win at Oklahoma State over 4-3 in just a, a marathon match where she was down and out. So I thought she was extremely impressive. She was the Big 12 newcomer of the year. I mean, this is a player that didn't play much at Florida. She played at number four singles the year before at Florida. So for her to come in and do that at a new program to ascend very quickly to that number one spot, um, I thought that was super impressive. That assumes that Staker does play six, which might not be the case. She might move up, but um, those are two players really anywhere in the lineup that you feel very, very good about.
1: Why I have Staker over Sleeth is as good as Lane was last season. Let's be clear. All-American, to your point, you mentioned it at the number one singles position, just ridiculous all year long. What was it, 21-5 and in dual matches, primarily at that number one spot she played?
2: Yeah, but I think the fifth match was in NCAA singles. So God. I think she just lost four matches, three to Stearns.
1: Shout out to you for your research. I will say this. I love you, Audra. Love you, entire Oklahoma athletic department. We could figure out some things about the website in terms of archiving statistics. They're in the, we archive last year's stats, so they're not going to be available for another six months, which uh, makes it a little tougher. for. They don't have 19 or 20, I don't think I Yeah, have.
2: I was like, we're not in limbo with them. We're in like you know, the MIA. We're in the witness protection program for
1: these stats. (laughs) But I'm really glad you used that term. Let me ask you this, Jay. Is it impossible that Coach Cohen said, hey, wipe those? I don't want anyone to see those ever again. Put those seasons in the witness protection program. We start with 2022 from a stats perspective.
2: No, because they're not even giving me 2022 from a stats perspective. So it's truly erasure happening across the board in all of these years. I mean, the way that you, I guess they have them on the player profiles. So you, Mm -hmm. shout out to you. I was going back on their Twitter account. And they did like every few weeks, they like summarize each player's season. And I was like, great, let me copy and paste that. Let me throw it into my outline. Uh, I was going back at Universal uh, UTR looking at who these losses were. It was the most research I had done for a team that I know very much about. man i was in the weeds on this
1: yeah i mean again boy did we just nerd out there for our listeners a lot of people were like skip 30 skip 30 (laughs) skip 30. okay are we back now uh yes we're back to talking about what they did why i have staker over Sleeth? i'm just i mean this bluntly i would say this about anyone it's easier to replicate success at six than it is at one and like how many times did i watch Sleeth last year where yeah from an athletic perspective, by the way, uh, from a game style perspective, she is the spirit animal of Audra Cohen. Just, I'm more athletic 100%. than you. I'm going to grind you down and I'm just going to find ways death by a thousand paper cuts to beat you. You can't fake that. That translates year over year. Go check out the two NCAA women's singles titles. Audra Cohen won individually while at Mi- Miami. They're both at Miami. Right. Um, I think she just me. won the one. You just won the one. did she make the final the other year? am i anyways we'll get back to that you're you're probably right i'm wrong it's been i spent a lot of time earlier today i interviewed rajiv Ram for the cracked interviews podcast you can go listen to that there i spent a lot of time in early 2000s land and so that's why mm. my brain is scrambled all over the place the point is I just think it's harder to replicate that number one singles success. And you look at some of the number one singles players across the country. Now at all these different teams, it's just like she goes from not having the target on her back to having that target on her back. Right. And if she goes 21 and four again, now you're in the Navarro Stearns tier of players where you're the gal for the duration of a 20, uh, for, for the duration of an entire college tennis season. But yeah, what do they call them? The blondes, right? Are we allowed to refer to them as the blondes? Or have we or because I'm pretty sure that's what it was, right? It was the blondes. It was staker and it was sleeth.
2: Yeah, it, well, it was I think it was blondees. The blondes <laughs> yeah. <they> call them. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, uh, teams will do like internal dual matches, right? And they'll like red versus black. I think they had blondes versus brunettes <laughs> as
1: uh, as some of their um their teams. You think on those that Audra plays lane and she's like, I just want a shot. Just like I'll, I'll play one. You guys figure out the rest later. Um, I'm exhausted. Just thinking about that match. (laughs) Tell you what, I bet we get a thousand people to watch it on a crack racket stream. We got to find a way to raise some money between getting those two to play. Um, Anyways, all of that said, they were the two strengths that said, particularly early in the season, we got to give a shout out to the Corleys, who, of course, were the core of everything brought back, especially with Donna Guzman being injured for the duration, or the majority, I should say, yeah, of the season. Early on, especially, uh, you know, national indoors run. Boy, was Ivana so freaking good at the yeah. national indoors and her belief, her leadership. Dare I say the noise that she's bringing, court in court, you know, day in, day out, match in, match out. That's what gets this team to believe. It's that Ivana buys into Audra. Teammates buy into Ivana. Now you have yourselves a culture. You look at what they were able to do last year. The Courtley sisters, 27-7 and in doubles. Now, Ivana's singles record kind of fell off at the end, but you can't overstate how impressive Ivana and Carmen were because, again, we talked about the strength at the bottom of the lineup. You only get that strength at the bottom if you have – I don't want to say placeholders because that's too disrespectful. But if you have two players who can hold their own up at the top and they got that in Ivana and Carmen.
2: Yeah. I mean, Ivana was the most outstanding player at indoor. She was eight. And and they didn't
1: win. It was a Jerry West moment.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, she was fantastic at the early part of that season. And it really starts in doubles for them, right. To have those sisters at the top of their doubles lineup, the energy that they bring, you know, it just permeates throughout the rest of the rest of the lineup. And Carmen was really solid, right. Playing, you know, there at the top two, three positions, Um, you know, and she was a player. I thought that I never quite knew if she was going to get the win, but sometimes there would be surprising wins. Right. And she would come in clutch. And that was really thematic of the, kind of the the whole of the team. Right. You, you weren't sure exactly where the points would come from. There wasn't necessarily a clear calculus every single time. Uh, but Carmen had a lot of matches um, where I felt like she played exceptionally well. You know, that match against Makarova, just the, mm-hmm. the pressure that she was facing in that match, the circumstances that was not easy to do
1: um so she also had an outstanding season yeah I do feel like it's worth stating again this is a team that beat Texas twice last year like they yeah. went two and two against the eventual national champions more wins against Texas than any other program had throughout the course of the year and again you bring back the Corleys you bring back the Blondies you bring back someone in Alexandra Pisareva who didn't get maybe the shine that Shanta did because shot left and I suppose Leaving in itself is inherently something we talk about more frequently, but obviously, Staker, the heart taker, uh, did all of her things as well. But I mean, you look at what Pisa Reva was able to accomplish last season in her first year there, not a freshman, but her first year at Oklahoma 26 and 14 overall in singles, 18 and 8 at the number five spot, 23 and 11 in doubles, playing with a couple of different partners. Like, again, May, not someone who's maybe going to blow you away from a UTR perspective, not someone who's going to blow you away from a pedigree perspective, but they just had answers everywhere, Jay. And they bring those answers back this season.
2: Yeah. They, again, they bring back all six. I and mean, you mentioned UTR from a UTR perspective, their power six right now is 63.67. Can I guess that feels like eighth, Tenth.
1: Tenth. Oh, yeah. wow.
2: Tenth. You know, and that's kind of what you're going to get with the Oklahoma team, right? On paper, you're probably not going to favor some of these matches line by line, but that's where that charisma that I talked about, that energy comes through. And I think, you know, you mentioned it, but Guzman getting healthy, right? She was out for um, much of the season, the prior season, when she was a freshman, she was playing in the top of the lineup there at one, two. And um, so for her to come back, work her way into that lineup, that, help them significantly because they, at the end of that season, you know, they were kind of pulling Ivana Corley from singles, playing Shanta, playing Guzman. And then when Shanta leaves, right, you have Guzman playing well, Um, you know, able to to play in their full time. and You bring in Ivana. So that helped them significantly getting her healthy.
1: Well, it's fascinating you bring that up because you talk about the new additions for this season. And honest to God, in comparison to last year, you could say it's a new Donna Guzman coming on to the team here this season. And of course, Guzman was someone who was ranked 11 in the ITF juniors, or at least got that high. She went 19 and two. Her freshman season, you don't fake 19 and two, you got to earn that record folks. And certainly you feel like the addition of a healthy Guzman who we didn't see play much this fall, but did we? Well, I think we did,
2: you know, she was 10 and three, which is a solid fall, you know, is losing to Maddie Sieg and Carolyn Ansari of Auburn, the top three player there. So I actually think of the bottom three players in their lineup, four through
1: six, she unequivocally had the best fall. Bottom three from last year, you're saying? Correct. Got gotcha. you. Yeah, the
2: non-Corleys and Sleeth. Well,
1: returners. that's interesting because certainly, you no, know, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, she, again, her level we know what it can be at her best. We know that that level is not just a top four singles position level. There's a world where she's probably playing number one singles for a lot of different schools across the country and to get her healthy again, this season, absolutely massive for this Oklahoma program. But look, that's not the only new addition this Oklahoma Sooner team brings in. And you mentioned it, they could have a scenario where they get all six of their single starters from last year's NCAA tournament back. But Jay, they also add some new pieces in Julia Garcia Ruiz, Romana uh, Sisovska. We'll get to that pronunciation, I suppose, at some point here during the 2023 season. Uh, But I want to talk about Garcia Ruiz first because I had the chance to watch her during the national fall championships. And, oh, my God, like this is a player who should be in a lineup right away, Jay.
2: Yeah, I was curious because I think you got to see more of her this fall than I did, but she, you know, she's top 20 junior in the world back in 2021. She played all the junior slams. She's third on the roster by UTR, but she went pretty quiet in 2022. We didn't see much of her on the pro circuit. And she kind of popped up here in the fall. She went eight and five uh, and she had some really good wins, right? She makes the finals of their of their regional wins around at fall nationals. What did you see from her that you really liked?
1: It's the grinding. It's just mm. the physicality she was able to bring already early in her career. This is just someone who will fit the Oklahoma system. Shout out to NC State. Anytime you use that word, I thought you said I can't use that word. No, 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 you're right. I said that's you got to cite them. I gave you them the citation the right there. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's that's the footnote right there. Shout out NC State. As long as you cite them, I'll allow it, Jay. But. Yeah, you look for uh, for her throughout the course of this season. Interesting. I don't see her stats. Oh, because I have last fall's stats up. Duh, that makes total sense. Again, Oklahoma, I love you. I actually, the thing is, we got the chance to meet some of the administration people for this Oklahoma team throughout the course of NCAs, etc. Some of them may listen to this podcast. And honest to God, Jay they might have the a website up and ready to run before Christmas because they don't skip steps, uh, this Oklahoma women's program. So that's the last we're going to poke fun at the statistics. But it was just like I could see her game fitting at five singles, six singles right away, just her ability. Who was she losing? I think she was down like a set and 4-1 in that fall Nets match and she ended to work her way back. Something uh, like that. I forget. I forget what the exact match was, but I just remember watching beat, the fight.
2: Marley Zane of Texas.
1: That's what Paul it was. Nats. Was
2: that that match? Three
1: sets, right? I want to say recall, it was three sets. I don't recall the score. Either way, it's just, it's the physicality. It's just, again, I know she will be able to play the three hours Oklahoma loves to play to have anyone beat them. And obviously there's a little more pop in the forehand as well. I just, I see the, the rubric, dare I say, of a successful bottom half of the lineup college tennis player right away. And again, with what they will be, she will be asked of this year. That's really all Oklahoma needs, right?
2: I don't know. I I do think that they might need someone who slots in at three, right? And kind of keeps the four, five, and six of Guzman, Pisareva, Staker at four, five, and
1: six. I think she might be asked to do more this season. But that also assumes that we don't see the jump from Guzman. What if Guzman is ready to go be a top three player again, regain that nineteen? Yeah, that's corner? very true. That yeah. that's that's my perspective on this. Yep. And then, by the way, Sisovska, uh, S- how do how do you how are you? Should we just call her Romana? First name, go with it. <laughs> I'd, Ro? I'd call it Sisovska. Can we just call her Ro? Let's just go with Ro for now. Um okay. Yeah, Rom- Romana, or Mana? Um, uh, big M. I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a work in progress. Uh, I defer to you, coach Cohen. Is she blonde? Is she a new blondie or is that a status I, you have? To I have think bestowed she would be team blondie. Yeah. But don't you have to earn that moniker? Like you're not just a blondie. You have to play a four hour match before you become <laughs> member of the blondies. And so, you know, it's an elite crew, Jay. We're not just giving away coats for free. This isn't sons of anarchy. <laughs> I mean, I think being on the roster counts. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Well, again, we defer to Audra. You can tell us if she's an official member of the Blondies yet or not. But just for those who are curious, this is a former top 750 player in the world, someone who's a top 50 junior in the world as well. Tell me what you know about her, Jay.
2: Well, this was an interesting one, and I would say that the the new additions have been a little tough to track for Oklahoma, right? And they had, you know, Anastasia Lopata signed. They had Daria Kudashova signed, number three newcomer in the ITA rankings. Uh, Lopata now at Georgia. Kudashova not uh, on on a roster right now. So they bring in, you know, Garcia, and they bring in Sasovska or Big M or Ro. Uh, <laughs> and And this was kind of strange, right? She becomes eligible in like October ish, you know, she was in playing a 15 K in Charmel shake in October. And next thing, you know, she's eligible. So, you know um, by UTR, she's eighth on the roster. Uh, She played one event, the big 12 invite uh, two and two. So, you know, this just adds to Oklahoma's depth, right? She will be helpful uh, in, in that component.
1: Yeah, and again, 20 years old, you always like getting someone a little bit older who's just played a few more matches, has that experience. Again, you brought up Daria Kudashova, who's a top 500 player in the world right now. Boy, if they could have added her, I don't think they would have been at number five. I think they might have been even higher in our preseason rankings. But look, we've talked through the roster. I mean, I guess there are some names I don't want to leave out. Shout out, as always, to uh, Natalia Jabrzemski, we'll just say, NJ, uh who we didn't give a shout-out to yet, also on the roster once again here this season. And again, we've talked through the pieces, Jay. Give me your thoughts on the lineup. How do you see things shaking out for the Sooners here in singles?
2: You know, I, I think it's pretty clear that uh, Lane Sleeth will play one, although we should add, I mean, you know, Pisa, Staker, and Guzman all played in the fall, right? And in kind of an order of, like, how good their falls were, it would be Kuz, Guzman, Staker, and then Pisareva. We almost saw nothing of Lane Sleeth and Ivana and Carmen. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see kind of what form they enter into, but not really factoring that in. I would say Lane Sleeth at one, Carmen Corley at two. I expect we will see Ivana Corley listed in lineups and may or may not play, kind of like on a you know, match-to-match, you know, uh, situation. I think she would slot in there at three or four. I think you're right that Guzman moves up to the three position. I would say Garcia at four, Pisareva at five, and Staker at six.
1: Yeah, I mean, that feels pretty good. By the way, we didn't talk about it earlier. How big of a loss is Chanta, Jay, for this team? Because she is one of the pieces they will not have here this season.
2: You know, it's tough, right? I think when she left for the Southeast Asian Games, it felt like it could have been a huge blow to the team and they did not let that happen. Right. They make the NCAA final. So it's hard to really say how much of a, uh, how much of a challenge is I think what was looking really promising for them was having seven players that they feel excellent about in that top six. And they can, you know, bring Ivana out. They can bring Guzman in. Look, Shanta was what? 22 and two. The only matches she lost were indoors. She was undefeated down the home stretch. She beat Sabina Z- zanalova hands her her first loss of the season of Texas. It's a really big loss. But I don't think they're looking backwards about that, right? I think they're looking looking forward. And hey, we made the NCAA semi uh finals with this exact same lineup.
1: No, I I very well said. And again, they do have a couple of freshmen they're able to work in right away. <laughs> Well, I think about the lineup. I don't know what I think about this lineup, Jay. I see a lot of pieces I like right away. I feel like Donna Guzman's the one who's going to make the jump into the top of the lineup because I think that's uh, the Corleys have played behind her before, and I'm not trying to say it's a chemistry issue because I'm a hundred thousand percent sure you could tell Carmen or Ivana. Hey, you know, Julia's playing really well today, or one of you know, again, we're you're not playing because you're not playing singles today because we're really hot in the other spots. And they'd be like, are we going to win today? And Audra would say yes. And then they'd say, okay, cool. That's all we need. Don't worry about it. I just do think you can make the case for Guzman getting back into the top two pretty easily. If she Ooh. returns to her top form. So I think that's my spicy take is I keep Sleeth one. I go Guzman two, a little Corley Corley action three and four. That's just not fun for anyone. Um, and I'll go Carmen. Then Ivana she's the heart taker. So Emma Staker still at six, man, I don't know what to do with the number five spot because I do like these freshmen Jay. And I could see a world where I think that's where the Russian roulette happens. And honest to God, it's just going to go. Who's ever hottest of those players entering may one of them piece the two freshmen is going to be playing and the other will be Emma Staker because she's just earned that benefit of the doubt in my mind. But I mean, when I look at this team's strength, and we've alluded to it, right? It's depth. That's the key for this team.
2: I don't, I don't know if it's depth. Uh, you know, I think I look at 2022, and, you know, they were solid at five, right? They were solid at four. I don't know if it's necessarily depth. I think it's the fact that they can win at one through six. Right. And they can win at every single position. Well, so that's
1: what I meant by depth, to be clear, is that comparatively like spot to spot. I feel pretty good about I yep. feel pretty similarly about every spot, no matter who they're playing. Like we can we meaning Oklahoma can win. If you're Audra Cohen, you're thinking we can win any permutation on our way to four points, doubles, not doubles. I feel pretty good. We can find our way to four.
2: Yeah. And I would maybe say, you know, I think it's I think doubles. This is a team that feels very good about doubles. Um, And I think that they feel good about Sleeth at one, given what she has done. And they feel good about whoever's playing six. Right. And that's three points. And then it's finding one in the middle of two through five.
1: I also meant to say this earlier because we said it on the Duke pod in the national indoor run. Let's not forget they beat Duke in the kickoff weekend last year. That's just a little nugget. I'm throwing in a random tangent, but no, I would agree with your assessment more broadly. Again, doubles energy, continuity, all the things we've alluded to. This team has just done it before. All of them have played in multiple national finals at this point outside of the freshmen. And that's just an experience you can't fake. I mean, It's funny, as we get further and further up this list, Jay, I might have to delete the question of what are the team's weaknesses, concerns, (laughs) because if we're being honest, there is no weakness for this Oklahoma team, I think. Ostensibly, they, in any average season, your, you know, replacement level college season, they're probably your preseason number one, bringing back all the pieces. Now, again, as we say on every episode, this (laughs) is not your father's college tennis season. Things are harder now than they have ever been given five classes of high school students, four years of college, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to do the rant again. So I'll ask you, Jay, you're trying to come up with weaknesses, concerns for this team. What do you come up with? I think it's
2: two through four. I think relative to, the other elite teams, I think two through four are probably the softer spots in this lineup where these other elite teams have, you know, just uh, a lot more talent on paper uh, in those spots than, than Oklahoma does. I think those are the ones that they really feel like they'll need to need to defend. Right. And if they can squeeze out one of those spots, they will like their chances, but those are the, lineup spots that I get a little bit worried about maybe even argue you can kind of just say it's two through two and three uh relative to some of the uh, other teams that like like a you know a North Carolina and NC State some of these other teams who just have more sleeves on that lineup uh in terms of um uh you know eliteness than Oklahoma does
1: yeah and, and you said it really well in the sense that it's just you know again, Some is greater than the whole of its parts when it comes to Oklahoma. Guess what? There are some really good freaking parts across the course of the country, right? Like there's a world where, I I mean, we don't know if she's eligible yet, I suppose, but Reese Brantmeyer's playing three or four singles for North Carolina, right? There's a world where, or like it's Fiona or Abby Forbes or... Elizabeth Scotty. I'll tell you what, one of those four players is playing four singles for Carolina. And it's just like, it's the track record, the pedigree. I mean, this team has the pedigree, I suppose, but it's, it's the, it's the flash of the pan results, right? Like it's the, it's the true, like stop you in your track results that maybe this team has less of pro circuit wise college, you know, big event wise.
2: Yeah. It's just the, you know, the, the top 20 players, right? How many of them do you have on, on your, your, your roster? I don't think we need to compare to North Carolina necessarily, right? We've talked about a USC team, right? Sure. That has, you know, Sig,
1: Han Cayetano, all these a, people who did pro things. Exactly. You like that
2: two and three against whoever Oklahoma puts it two and three, you like the Pepperdine two and three against whoever is that, uh two and three for Oklahoma. So those spots, I definitely see favoring these other teams But look, this is a team that, you know, you could do the UTR match calculus, as we said, and they will probably be not favored at more than just those spots, but they find ways to win. And that's what makes this team a really tough team to play and a tough team to bet against um, because they do find find those ways. Well, well, I will say they found those ways. Well, so that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Carry on. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to say they found those ways in 2022. It was a, you know, a remarkable season. It is a very different proposition to go from being the hunting to the one that has the target on your back, and they will have
1: hunted. Absolutely, exactly, exactly,
2: and that's where they are now, right? And many other. What this team does not have the luxury of of doing is just that slow and steady build, right? you know, making your first round of 16 and then making a quarterfinal, making two quarterfinals, knock. This team is, did not knock on the door. They knocked down the door and they ran straight through it all the way to the NCAA finals. And now it's like, Whoa, like we have to do that again. And that's a different proposition. If we're not going to Duke on the road, but now if we do like no one is questioning whether we are the team to beat. So It's a totally different attitude. It's a different mindset shift for
1: sure. Yeah, absolutely. And again, this will hopefully be my last F-bomb till the final F-bomb of the show, but everything broke right for this team last year. Everything they needed to go their way until the end, right? When the karma bill came due, when it's like, Chanta leaves, which is like uh, maybe the yeah, ultimate spin of that's, the car. That's,
2: yeah. That's a bit, I mean, that is a big thing to have happen to have sure. ostensibly your best player on that roster leave and just the emotional t- trauma that that would ha- cause for any team. Uh, that's a really big deal. So, and that happened right before the NCAA tournament, right? So, you know, there were a lot of things that went right for this team. Absolutely. And, it, you know, I'll ask you, could this be a Texas men situation, right, um, where things don't break right the next season?
1: That's exactly what I was going to get to, where you just use up all the karma juice. And, again, that's something we believe at here at Cracked Rackets. The tennis gods giveth, the tennis gods taketh away. And it's just after everything goes perfectly for this Oklahoma team last season. To your point. Replicating that's really freaking hard. Like you want the list of teams to make multiple NCAA finals, multiple national indoor finals in consecutive years over the course of the past decade and a half. I'll give you four programs, Virginia, USC on the men's side, UNC and Stanford on the women. Like
2: It's not UNC on the women's side. They well, have no, no not from a national indoors, from a national yeah, but, indoors perspective. But, but Oklahoma, I thought you were talking about both.
1: No, no, uh, but I'm saying – no, no, sorry. I, I meant just in general, multiple national finals and like – or national finals in consecutive years over and over again, right? Carolina has done that at the national indoors. They've earned that benefit of the doubt. Again, go listen to our Stanford pod from – Tuesday. If you want to hear the history of Stanford's success, what is it? They've 40 NCA tournaments. They've made the quarterfinals or further 37 times, something crazy like that. Like it's, it's laughably exceptional. Um, it's really hard to replicate that level of success to your point, it's really hard to go from hunter to hunted. That said, you do feel like, again, if anyone's capable of doing it, it's the program, it's the culture more than anything else. It's an intangible thing, but you just can't fake The Like, that doesn't go away. And, you know, some scholars have argued on the Tim Duncan of my generation from a teammate perspective, Jay, and those scholars happen to be me who are arguing that fact. Winning breeds winning. Like, I'll tell you this, and it's not directly translatable, and I apologize that I do this from time to time, but like... My junior year of high school, we we lost all of these players and a bunch of different guys graduated. And we had to have young players like myself who went from underclassmen to juniors, whatever, step up. And I we had a really big junior class and all of us stepped up. And like the moment when we, when we won the state title, my junior year, and like the moment, the day after that ended, it was like, guys – Let's get to freaking work because we have the chance to do something historic. Now we can go back to back. We can sweep States earn 40 points. Now we ultimately got 39 tied for the most in Michigan state history. Shout out to us, us Ann Arbor pioneer two best teams in Michigan high school tennis history stats. will say that, um, This feels like a team that would do that. Like this feels like a team that loses that NCAA final and Ivana and Carmen and Lane and Emma and all the players we've mentioned, look at each other and say, "Okay, that was fun. Let's do that again. And certainly you look at the schedule for these Sooners. They're going to have the opportunity to flex their muscles throughout the course of the year. Now, you look at the kickoff weekend. They go from at Duke to hosting Texas Tech, Tulsa, Minnesota. I think that's a little bit easier of a kickoff weekend, Jay. That's the tennis gods giving. Yeah, yeah exactly, from last season. But guess what? They go to Ann Arbor on January 20th yeah. at Michigan that Sunday. They're at Ohio State. Ask Pepperdine how difficult that run was last season. Of course, right after kickoff weekend, they had to Raleigh, North Carolina, to take on a very, very good NC State program. Then after the National Indoors Right now, they have Arizona State scheduled for February 11th in Norman. Uh, that match is going to get moved. I'm just going to say it now. I think uh, Oklahoma is going to be busy that week. I think they're going to be in Seattle that weekend for the national indoors. But Arizona State for now on the schedule, a frisky Arkansas program on the schedule. And, you know, Pepperdine, they're going to Malibu at the end of March as well. And then they face a Big 12 Conference that, as we repeatedly say, Jay, there's not a bad team. In the Pac uh, Big Twelve Conference, everyone gets a little bit frisky. Your thoughts on this Sooner schedule?
2: I love this schedule. Uh, you know the Michigan Ohio State stretch is a is a fantastic one to get ready for indoors. Will you be in Ann Arbor for that weekend? You know the men <laughs> play Tennessee the day before.
1: I know, I know. Michigan's got a <laughs> loaded schedule. You want to hear the most devastating? Like so. Oh no, that's January twentieth. Oh. So February 4th, 5th weekend, which is a phenomenal weekend of college tennis, you have the Pac-12 SEC Challenge, you've got the NAIA National Indoors, first time you've got that, there's a lot of cool things going on that weekend, and let me just say I'm booked to do just about all of them right now, so that weekend I might not be in Ann Arbor, but January 20th, Coach Cohen's coming to town, I mean... Shout out to the Jews. Got to rep the community in Ann Arbor, right? So probably I'll be at that match. I, That's I'm gonna a go fun weekend. I'm going to pencil yeah. that. I mean, hopefully we'll be broadcasting that match. Uh, Coach there Cohen, Ronnie, Aunt Ronnie. I call her Aunt Ronnie because she reminds me of just all of my mom's sisters. Um, and so, yeah, Aunt Ronnie, Audra, call me. Let's figure something out for that match.
2: I love that. Uh, and then the Feb- the North Carolina State match, I mean, to choose to go on the road to North Carolina State and play on the four it's indoor a great courts, choice. <laughs> I mean, great choice. I uh, choice. That's gonna. I mean, that's gonna be a six-hour match. Pencil it in. <laughs> that's a six-hour match. You're signed up all day. That's going forever. Yeah, I mean, it's a really fun. And then they make the SoCal trip with you know Pepperdine and San Diego. Let me
1: ask you this: If they scrapped doubles in the Arkansas match and just said, "Okay, Christina Sanchez Quintanar, you're going to play Audra on Court Seven, and that's going to be the seventh point," would you be down? Because I'd be down. Yeah, we'll get that broadcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Carry on. Uh,
2: I, I just—they need a Northern California trip. You know, yeah. the year after this, um, come up to play Stanford. I'd love to see that match. Uh, since they have the rematch with Arizona State uh, from the NCAA's, but look, it's a really, really fun schedule. You're right. Shout out to the Big Twelve. Another team that's sneaky good this year is Iowa State. Mm -hmm. They gave this Oklahoma team a lot of trouble in the fall. So it's going to be a fun Big 12 season, Oklahoma State, Texas, Kansas. No easy matches there. So
0: I'm looking forward to it.
1: let me ask you this. They're the defending national indoor finalists, defending yep. NCAA finalists. Why aren't they our preseason number two?
2: Well, I think we talked about this, right? This is it's the um it's the firepower at the top of the lineup, right? It is that one, two, and three positions that I just don't think you favor Oklahoma in those matches against these teams. And you're talking about teams who made big jumps with their recruiting classes, right? You're talking about an NC state team, bringing in almost top 100 WTA player. You're talking about North Carolina bringing in the number one recruit in Reese Brantmire, bringing in grad transfer, Abby Forbes, right? You know, you're talking about Texas two time NCAA national champion. So, you know, there's just other teams, I think have a little bit more firepower, particularly at the top of that lineup that on paper, You lean towards those teams.
1: Yeah, that's really well said. I mean, again, we have complimented this Oklahoma team so frequently on saying the sum is greater than the whole of the parts. Well, again, North Carolina's got some really nice parts. Like Pepperdine's got some really nice parts. Stanford's got some really good pieces on their team. And if there's even any dip or, you know, it's it's just really hard to be good this year.
2: Yeah, and the other thing is, You know, I don't like to project injuries, but if there's an injury to this Oklahoma team, I do think that that's more devastating than to some of these other teams that we talked about.
1: I do, you know. Because I think the the difference between the player who's two and six in this lineup, maybe two and seven even, from a UTR perspective, I can't imagine it's that great. Like that big, the Delta.
2: So I think Sleeth recovered because she did play some pro events, but she only played one college match and then she she withdrew. If she's injured, right, and everyone moves up, that's tough. That is that is tough in a way that it isn't as tough for some of these other schools. If if a Guzman gets injured, if a Carmen Corley gets injured, like I I, I worry about that two, three, and four position in the event of injury. Would they have a, a six to to slot in? Uh, yes, I, I think so. But, you know, I, I do think that that is um, a risk.
1: Yeah, uh, it's fair. Now, there are some who are going to say, well, anyone loses their number one singles player. It's going to suck. Here's uh, except for like a North Carolina where it's like, don't worry, Forbes will play one today. Don't worry, Scotty will play one today. Like, they, you're yeah. right. I see what you're saying, though.
2: Like. But and this is only a conversation about our teams that we have ranked above that where like sure. if they were to lose their one, it's like I don't know if it's as devastating.
1: Very well said there. I see what you're saying. No, no, no. A hundred percent that I, I hope our listeners get it as well. With all that said, Jay, let's get to our predictions again, this is an Oklahoma team that shattered all expectations last season. Even you called them a dark horse. I'm sure did not see two national finals coming up for the Sooners. Let's start with the fun one. Red River rivalry. They're only scheduled to play once this year, but let's assume they play more than once. Does Oklahoma get a win over Texas this season?
2: Well, I was gonna lean no because the regular one match season that, matches
1: in Austin, right? in
2: Austin, exactly., uh, and it's, you know, it's later in the season. um it's when I think Texas is playing some of their best tennis. but yeah, I, I, I don't know if they'll play again, and what's funny is, this Oklahoma team seems to be worse at neutral site matches than they do like at a home in their way. So I don't know, maybe they do win the Texas match. But yeah, I would say they probably lose uh to Texas in that one match.
1: I think I could see them playing both obviously regular season in Austin and then Big Twelve Championships, which I believe are in Lawrence, Kansas, once again yep. this year. <sighs> I say I'll say, I'll say okay. one and one. I'll
2: say if they play it indoors, give me Oklahoma.
1: I also, and this is a Texas conversation. You guys are all super high on Texas on the freshman. Obviously, they've earned that benefit of the doubt. I think I'm a little lower on Texas than some of you guys, and we'll get to that. Obviously, I don't know.
2: Maybe, I don't know who you guys is. Is one person on this call? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, our uh, other crack rackets
1: voters? Like because oh, okay. yeah, so, because oh, so, okay, because they're not I'm hedging because, a little bit here. No, no, okay. no. I'm not hedging. This isn't a hedge. This is just a statement of my beliefs, Jay. Um, I, in my individual preseason poll, true or false, I had Oklahoma at two, and I had to be talked down out of it.
2: Uh, You did have them, too.
1: Yes, Very. just let the record show. Uh, So when I say they're going to beat Texas, Big 12, regular season, postseason tournament, do they get one of the titles? I think they'll get the Big 12 tournament title this year. I agree. And by virtue of me saying they go one and one against Texas, I think they're hanging up some sort of big 12 hardware this season. All right. I think we both agree. They're going to be a top eight seed. So let's just get to the tough question. Jay, where do the 2023 Oklahoma Sooners finish in the NCAA tournament?
2: Look, I really thought about this hard. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I'm like, Oh no, this is a really, really tough one. I don't feel good about any, any claim here. I have to say quarterfinals.
1: Mm-hmm. Carry on.
2: There's not much to carry on about. <laughs> it's just like I mean by
1: the way, they lose. Bakarova doesn't roll to her ankle. They could have lost four, you know, four-two in the quarterfinals last year. If Duke wins three points here or three points there, comes out a little stronger at that third set, uh, at six, I think it was. They could have lost four, three in the semifinals. Like you're not wrong to say this team almost lost in the quarterfinals last year.
2: Yeah. I I mean, they didn't, you know, they didn't
1: though. Yeah. And that's what makes it so hard. Yeah. I
2: look, this is a team that you don't bet against, (laughs) but um, it's just tough. There's just so many talented teams right now that sitting here in December You know, it's hard to predict that they will have another run like that. So, you know, I'm going to be safe and say, you know, they're in my top five. I think they're a quarterfinal
1: team. Did I have Stanford go into the quarters or semis? Do you recall?
2: (laughs) It was like two days ago, and I'm like, I have no idea.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I think I said quarters, right? And I said, I don't feel good about it. Yes. Yeah. I know you didn't feel good about it. Yeah. I don't feel good about this. Okay. So I said, all oh, my top eight teams are all going to be quarterfinals or further on the women's side. And to be clear, as we said in the Duke pod, Pepperdine pod, the Stanford pod, all the teams, teams ranked one through eight in our preseason top 10. That's your tier one. It is an eight team tier one this season. All of these teams have the talent, the pieces, the intangible, et cetera, to win a national championship this year. Oklahoma falls firmly. In that category as well. I said Dukes in the semis. I have written down Pepperdine and Stanford as quarterfinalists. Oh, I'm just going to stick to the predictions I have written down. I have Oklahoma in the semifinals. I don't feel great about it. I think they get to that semifinal round on the virtue of, again, the experience to be at that final site. They've been there before, they'll be ready. And some of the other teams who we have on this list maybe haven't advanced past that quarterfinal round before. But then we get to the semifinals and I look at some of these teams at the top of our rankings and I just see the overwhelming amount of talent they have and the five months they're going to have to earn the experience, earn the camaraderie, earn the back against the wall moments you need to prepare yourself for the NCAA tournaments. (laughs) Semifinals, just lock it in. Semifinals, I don't want to have to think about it anymore, Jay. Final thoughts on Oklahoma go to you.
2: Yeah. Look, I'm excited to watch this team compete again. Right. You know, as we mentioned, it's a whole new role for them. All of these teams are are so incredibly close in, in talent and it's going to be a really, really fun season. So
1: look, boomer sooner. Do you think coach Cohen will get mad that we predicted not champions? You know, you never know with the coaches, right?
2: Some of them <laughs> yeah. are like, why didn't you predict me as champions? And others are like, "Why didn't you predict me losing in the first round?" And I'm like, "Well, I can't do both. So um, my job is to to go with what I think is gonna happen." And so, look, uh, people can my, get mad. I don't. My care.
1: favorite coach are the uh, is the coach who tells me, "Please rank my team low, so I can use it as motivational material." Because I'm like, "All right, like if you want to give me the excuse, like I need it." So I'll take it. See, um, I'm like, that that sounds like a you problem.
2: It sounds like <laughs> your job to get them to be motivated. It does not sound like a me problem to tank their ranking. So for any coach out there listening, like, you got to find the motivation elsewhere.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You mentioned Iowa State's really good. They might beat Oklahoma this year. All these teams, Kansas is coming for you. Kansas State's coming for you. They could finish last in the Big 12, for all I know, Jay. This Oklahoma team, maybe last year was a fluke. <laughs> uh, and it'll be really, de- you know, again, <laughs> from one balding man to another, it's not, you know, life's not getting any better for Jose up top. Like the stress could just <laughs> continue to add up and maybe it gets tougher for him. Um, no, this team's really good. And they're such a pleasure to watch and sincerely folks, I, I could say this about every team in the top 10, but I, if you haven't watched Oklahoma play in person, if you want your young child to be motivated about playing college tennis, or just to be motivated in general, to see what the family aspect, all the, all the bullshit you're fed from coach after coach about, you know, we want it to be a culture. We want it to be a team. We want to do all these things, all the things, all these people prognosticate about, or, try to project onto their teams, Oklahoma actually does. And so, again, I would highly recommend if you're in the Norman area or Oklahoma's coming to your city, go check them out. It's very much worth the experience. With all that said, Oklahoma, your number five preseason team. Jay, I have two semifinalists in our top eight already. That means two of the next four teams. At the end of the pot, I'm going to have to, with a straight face, say I see them losing in the quarterfinals. I'm not excited about that at all.
2: I know exactly who you're taking, though, so <laughs> it's not going to be spicy.
1: Am I that predictable now? Is that the problem? Is it five? This is what I'm saying. Is I actually think you know exactly. I think you could look at our next teams and go because I have two quarterfinals spots left, a finalist and a champion left, and you could go quarterfinals, quarterfinals, finals champion. Like I know you could pick all four remaining, and I'll ask you that as soon as we are done recording here today. But with that in mind, again, final thoughts of today's show. Go to you, Jay.
2: No, look, I mean, I totally echo your sentiments about this Oklahoma team. You know, you mentioned seeing them in person. I hadn't seen them in person until the NCAAs, and it was the the happy feat, right? You see a, a player finish their two and a half hour match, go on that court and they're bouncing and they're screaming and they're yelling in just a way, in a manner that other teams aren't doing. And this is part of their culture. And I look at that and I said, that's not part of my culture. I, I would be sitting <laughs> my butt down on that on that <laughs> chair. But, you know, it's 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 a it's a joy to watch. It's a joy to have new programs, mm-hmm. right? We know it Blue is blood versus new blood. We're back, yes, baby. We're back. It is fun to watch stanford and and have those legacy teams. It's also really fun to see new programs, new coaches, new women's coaches kind of on the scene. So it's been fun to watch. I'm excited. I'm excited to find the next Oklahoma.
1: wow, oh, it's it's again, it's very, very fun. And we might be on the search for the next Oklahoma, but we're also going to enjoy this Oklahoma while we' well have them. Certainly, with that in mind, uh, obviously, a shout out to our super producer, Danny Westoff, for the f of an NHL, He does day in, day out. Healthy amount of F-bombs here on today's show. But, of course, our countdown continues of our top 10 Division I women's and men's tennis teams heading into the 2023 season. If you missed any episode to date, just scroll down. On your great shot podcast feed, by the way. If you want to hear our thoughts on Learner TN, that late December announcement, he's going to USC. Chris Heliors and I talk about it for the first 15 minutes of our TCU podcast. That was our gift to Horned Frogs Nation. But again, more shows to come. Tuesday through Friday, there's going to be a new preview each of those days as we try to prepare all of you listeners for the start of the 2023 college tennis season. With that said, for the fantastic John Jay Parsons, our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jay, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thank you as always, my friend.